had to choose. Calvin Arsenia is a vocalist, multi-instrumentalist, music teacher, and performance artist based in Kansas City. He has performed internationally and lived and made music in Edinburgh, Scotland. He joins me now on Ghost Notes. Welcome, Calvin. I mean no offense, not just to flatter, but to tell the truth. Let me take a moment to explain to you that the energy that you possess is C-A-R-D, I caressed. Your smile is, I must convey, is overwhelming. I'm swimming in your sea of light. Your company is kind of like 97 Fahrenheit. Oh, overwhelming. When did you start playing music? I started playing music when I was about 13. But I think when, when I started, to, to, and that's probably around the same time that I started to identify as a musician. Uh, as a child though, I used to sing all the time. Anytime I was alone and not talking because I was a talker as a kid. Hmm. Um, quite the talker. I was so curious about everything and loved life science, like uh, um, amphibians and animals and stuff, and then uh, plants and bugs. And anytime that I was alone, I was always, um, I was always singing to them about them and uh, you're singing uh, to amphibians yes. when you're alone <laughs> and about anything and everything um and, and nowadays i think of myself that my first instrument is in my voice so i would say that i started being a musician when i was probably four or five years old okay but you said you identified yourself as a musician when you were about 13 yeah so that's the first time that i started playing instruments in front of people and noticed that i had a a knack for it Mm-hmm. Um, when I was 13, I had a friend, her father had given her an acoustic guitar for, for Christmas. And I did not like the acoustic guitar because for me, it represented country music. And at the time, you know, I was, I was still recovering from the 90s. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was always 90s R&B and soul, which is great music, but like... But country music was not something that was anywhere acceptable in my life. Mm. And so uh, so when I... Uh, when it was, I think, the end of February that year, so two months later, she had given up on learning how to play it herself. And she said, Calvin, you should take my guitar, learn how to play it because you're so musical, and then teach me. Mm-hmm. And then I took her guitar, and by the time Ju- June came around, I started playing in front of people at my church. But I never taught her how to play. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about your background in church music growing up and how your family's faith has made an impact on you as an artist. That is a very loaded question. I think gospel music and and the power of music and and I have a very a very high expectation for music to feel transcendent. I have an expectation that a musical experience will be will be something that, that lifts me out of my body and that we will communally have this out-of-body experience because when I was doing most of the time uh, worship music, uh, th- that happens a lot. And a lot of it is intention. A lot of it is the expectation of that. You know, we, we are there gathered to to commune with an uncreated being 
who is all love and benevolence and and that's that's the intention that's the expectation when you're in the room and that's why we're singing together um and so specifically for worship music for christian worship music yeah okay but then when now when i'm playing music or when i go to a concert where i feel that transcendence which is not often enough i mm-hmm. think for instance uh, the, one of the concerts that really changed my life very unexpectedly was the Yonsei concert, uh, the lead singer from Siguros, his his solo concert when it was, I think, Go Do was the album. And the set was built and inspired by a burned down taxidermy shop. And so there was all of these like kind of melted windows and things that they were projecting all these animals on. And the music was so powerful and so ethereal and but at the same time very direct and very emotional and at the time most of my uh, musical experience had been in church and so for me to have walked into a secular setting and to have experienced something so spiritual was mind-blowing and almost offensive like I I, (laughs) I remember walking out of there like just shaking my head like violently (laughs) and I was like you know I came to see a show I came to watch a guy on the stage over there and he invaded my heart with his music and I just felt that like that's not what I signed up for and it was rude of him (laughs) to be so like nosy in my life you know like nosy in my heart and like to be able to get into like my body and Physically, I don't know. I felt like he was changing things, you know. He was in my business, you know. Wow. And um, and so like when I play and when I perform and when I'm when I'm planning and producing shows, that's my standard. You know, for a long time I felt that it was my job and responsibility to, and I still do. But I think for a while I had to build this into my personal culture. But that the the point of me on the stage, since I have been working through my own personal catharsis is to go to the end of myself and almost embarrass myself and break myself on the stage so that the people in the audience have the courage to do so in their own life. When I was doing church music and also I kind of ventured into classical music after that in college and I was studying classical voice and so doing opera arias and things. Um, The point of of church music as a musician is to get out of the way, is to facilitate a moment for other people. And so your your stage, your spotlight isn't there. You know, you're there to to facilitate group music for non-singers and non-musicians just general public, right? And then with the classical music, your job is to is to deliver and portray uh, um, a composition by a composer. And so your personality and your your humanity isn't something that is greatly valued in that, in that art form. Um, some people might disagree, but that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. And and then and then with songwriting and with personal expression, I think it's almost the exact opposite. You know, we're, we are we are looking into the mind of this human, 
and we want to see and we want to find something that is of value that we can learn something from. We want to know the story. And, and so if I'm there to be somebody who is seen and to be known in some way, then my job is to, is to tell a tale, to give a moral or like a, a fable or something to, that, that there would be something to learn from my story. And in all those other diff different arenas, those were not appropriate. But in this one, it is, and it's encouraged. And so it was just such a process for me to, uh, <laughs> to allow myself to be, to be broken and vulnerable on the stage. And I'm glad for it, and I'm, I'm still, still, still working on, on doing that more. Just before our love got lost, you said I am as constant as a northern star, and I said Constantly in the darkness Where's that at? If you want me, I'll be in the bar On the back of a cartoon coaster And the blue TV screen light I think that uh, performance and, and, and the part of that transcendent thing, right? Uh, is is to be able to entertain all of the senses simultaneously. So I want to have different foods or drinks that are special to the night, and I want temperature or or um, you know the the feeling of the air in the room on your skin to feel right, and I want you to feel the base in your feet, and I want you to to be stimulated by some kind of lights or or art or something that's moving. Um, and so each of these like little elements when they're working together simultaneously, I think produce the environment that could provide transcendent experience. Because um, I, like, I understand the musical part most of the time. You know, that's not the challenge, but the challenge is, is how do I get a whole bunch of strangers to be in one accord and to feel something together? And, and yeah. What's but, the value in that to you? What do you mean? Getting everyone to feel something together. Why is that so important to you? Um... Maybe, maybe I see when I look around a lot of people who are uninspired and I think that potentially it's one of the most hurtful things that I see is people who have the means for greatness and choose to not use them. And typically the people who, who come into a show and they're just there to get laid or there to get drunk or there to to, you know, just have really m meaningless fun for the night. Like, those are the kinds of people who, who I'm most impressed when they come up to me afterwards and was like, I wasn't expecting that, but thank you, you know? And then, they, and then hopefully they'll learn, you know, I started playing the harp as an adult, um, and I don't know that most people realize that, but, like, I started playing when I was 20 or 21, and, uh, which is less than six years ago. And anything is possible if you put your mind to it and if you're determined to, to like, make it happen. So, so it's more than just, like, people, like, listening to the music, but it's also part of the story and to say, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't expect to walk into this bar and hear a guy singing on a harp, <laughs> you know? Um, but, but, you know, you also didn't, you know, wake up in the morning expecting to create the cure for cancer or to, to, you know, start being a skydiver instructor or to be a camp counselor or whatever, you know? Like, everything, everything that's good about the world, in some sense, happens because of, 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 of the decision of inspired people. And I want to play my part in that process.
Think straight now Of the people you left in your wake now Don't hang on to those words Cause there's some things just better offset Dance in the Rain is a deeply spiritual song about the parallels between Christ's blood and rain and the gratitude and cleansing quality of both. How does being a Christian creatively inspire you? Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I wrote that song when I was like 15. (laughs) Well, I think that um, the word Christian is is really interesting. Um, I follow a man who lived 2,000 years ago. Um, and his teachings because he was outrageous and loved people, regardless of if his life was determined, like was was um, was a factor of it at all. Like he was so inspiring to people who were broken and loved people who had been hurt by the religious religious systems at the time, and stood up against people who chose to hurt people, and. <laughs> was friends with the prostitutes and and the alcoholics and wanted the best for them and did something about it. And 2,000 years later, we have this very um, whitewashed porcelain figurehead that is so offendable and weak. And I don't find that version of those stories very inspiring. And so I don't think that I I would um, categorize myself with that version of his story. But the guy who was a bastard child of a carpenter, um, he's pretty cool. And a lot of my, of the reason why I have hope in the future and in humanity is because he had hope and has hope in the future of humanity and that people and their stories and their restoration is worth dying for. And I find that very inspiring. So, you know, why, why do I think beyond the song? Why do I think more about the moment that's created and the story that will be told after the fact than, man, that kick drum's not loud enough or like that bass tone's off, you know? Like I really, I really don't care. <laughs> Because for me, I'm a live music performer. I'm trying to create a transcendent moment. You know, a lot of the musicians that that play with me, they get really frustrated. And I hear them talking to each other because I don't like to rehearse and I don't like to make set lists. Because for me, like, once I enter the room, that's when I know I'm going to play. I don't know what the energy is like. I don't know what the room needs until I get there. And that's really frustrating to people who are used to, like, rehearsals and stuff. And I understand rehearsing and it's a really it is a huge and important part of it but I'd rather play with the with the with the player who will watch and will listen and knows their instrument really really well because I will be giving signals and I will tell you what to do you just have to be watching and and so we can't we can't walk into the room or I can't expect that we would walk into the room and have rehearsed everything precisely for this moment because I don't know again I don't know what they need um, if if the room is is disengaged, then I will play something totally different to see if I can get as many people engaged as possible. And so if we're supposed to play this song in this set order, 
and we start, you know, with with four hits on the hi hat, you know, and the room is still talking and chatting. Like, I like we can't start there, or else they're gonna have a the culture of the room has been set that they're to to ignore us. So instead, I will do something that's very ethereal, and try to to be like, wait, what is that noise? <laughs> or or you know that that sounds pretty, but we're in a bar that doesn't fit here. And so like the question marks, you know, like on Sims, you have the little diamonds, right? Like you know the question marks start popping up on people's heads, and they look at me, and then I have them, and then I do something even more outrageous than the, than what was just happening, and then we can start the song, you know. So so like a lot of a lot of what I'm doing is cultivating the culture of the room, and those are the things that are really really important to me. And, and so, yeah, so I think to answer your question, um, as a musician and the teachings of Christ really made me value the people who are there in the audience and the particular moment and lesson that is there to be learned for all who are there. Your lyrics have a lot of longing um, for love in them, and um, there's, there's very intimate at points and sometimes dramatic and beautifully romantic so does your romantic life have literal translations into your music yes uh i would say most of the time i a lot of times i i find myself i sing a melody and it gets stuck in my head and that's when i keep it otherwise it's not good enough and so um there are songs that I've written where I just had like the one line and I was like, you know, that's a really good line. So now I have to make up a whole story like about that, um, uh, like to, in order to frame that line. And that and those sometimes are fictitious and sometimes they're not. Um, like, um, like Smoke and Mirrors, uh, mm. one of the songs that um, I hope you guys will play. Um, Hit it, Matt. <laughs> it says... Um, uh, we were more than smoke and mirrors. I touched you, myself, with these two hands. And I can feel my heart beat loudly. I miss you, myself, with my wee heart. And I wrote that on a bus um, in Edinburgh. <laughs> Just singing to myself sadly while the drizzly rain was there. But the story that I put around like that is, is you know, well, I was imagining my character or the voice of the song stepping into stepping into a diner um, uh, and having not um, having not slept you know you just got done with an argument and you're out driving around or out drinking or whatever and you step in the diner in the morning and he says uh, strike, uh, stri strike up a conversation, conversation with the lonely waitress with the lonely waitress two sugars on my toast yeah it's that kind of morning not much to do or say individuals go their own way people change like seasons change yeah it's that kind of story we were more than smoke and mirrors i touched you myself with these two hands i can feel my heart beat loudly i miss you myself with my wee heart now you see me now you don't gonna try to love again i swear i won't out of sight but in my mind good luck on the love you hope to find and then the second verse says look out the grayscale window mist drippy drops to the earth below 
I am hurt, oh where'd my worth go? But then I say, come on Cal, get rational. So like, I feel like I can relate to the, to the, to the emotional landscape of the songs all the time, but the story is not necessarily factual. Um, maybe that's the best way to explain it. With these two hands, I can feel my heart beat loudly. I miss you myself with my wee heart. Now you see me, now you don't. Gonna try to love again, I swear I won't. Out of sight, but in my mind. Good luck on the love you hope to find. This episode was produced in collaboration with KCUR 89.3 as part of our Something to Watch series. You can watch videos of Barrel Maker, Yes You Are, Your Friend, The Buzz, Jeff Harshbarger, and of course, Calvin, all on KCUR's Facebook page. You can listen to corresponding podcasts of those artists on iTunes or our website, fountaincityfrequency.com slash ghostnotes. Ghost Notes executive producer is Matt Hodap. We have writing help from Jamie Searle, who also composed our theme music. Matthew Sullivan runs our website, and I am your host, Hannah Copeland. Friends, I do have some news that I am moving away from Kansas City to Fort Collins, Colorado to be the advisor at KCSU-FM, that's Colorado State's student radio station. So this episode does conclude the first season of Ghost Notes, but we'll be back with season two and a surprise exciting new host in a few weeks, so don't hit unsubscribe, that's totally unnecessary. Thank you for listening. I have really enjoyed diving deep into Kansas City's music scene these past few months. I've learned a lot, and I hope you have too. Find me on Twitter at Hannah E. Copeland. And remember, if you're going to listen to music, make sure it's good. Peace out.